It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. My co-host for the day is Jorge Olivares, and we are talking to Jenny Han, the number one New York Times best-selling author of the two All the Boys I've Loved Before. Of course, the final in the trilogy film installation to All the Boys Always and Forever dropped on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, or even if you have, this is the conversation for you. Jenny Han, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Good it morning. Is- Wonderful to talk to you and to have, you know, this is this is the show where we do the, 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 you know, the politics and culture intersection. And this has been, I got to say, a rough week for politics. So it is really nice. <laughs> I got to tell you what I did yesterday. I had to watch the impeachment trial, right? So I've got like eight hours of just genuine horror and trauma. And every time they would take a break, I would watch some more of the screener <laughs> and it oh my it, god it saved me like when the, when the whole thing was over i was like that's it i'm just i'm just gonna live in this world i'm gonna live in jenny han's world for a little while and i'm going to feel better and i did so from a, a personal level thank you for that <laughs> you're so welcome i'm hoping that it provides a, a bit of comfort to people during this this time because you know when we announced um the date that it was dropping a lot of people said oh it's been a really hard year. Thank you. <laughs> so I, that made me feel really happy. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to ask about that because I know there's, you know, there's there's such a, a conversation going on around every film release date, and you know, some directors really wanting to keep their projects on the big screen and not put it out on Netflix and not do, you know, they. So what what was your sense knowing that we were we were going to be viewing the, the final of this trilogy sort of in, in our houses, maybe maybe not with the parties that we would have held to watch them otherwise, maybe, you know, just maybe by ourselves. Like, what was what was your thought about how you wanted to see this released and, and how you feel about the fact that it's, it's happening um, in time for this, the weirdest Valentine's Day ever? You know what? Like, I'm bummed that we can't do the big goodbye altogether and... Yeah have a premiere and like have a party and see each other on the red carpet and give it the, the proper send off. But I will say that Netflix has planned like so many fun events. Like um, Lana and Noah and I are doing like a, tw- a Twitter watch party tomorrow night. Like they've got like a lot of like surprise little like goodies ahead of you. So I don't know in a way I think that um, it's more than just making the best of it. I think it's, it's going to be really fun. I'm 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 hope I'm I'm sure I'm sure it, it can't not be like this is a fun story this is this is a fun thing in life <laughs> I so I love it that you basically set out to try to like resurrect a rom com and and do it in in a way that that hadn't been done before and I was I was reading previous interviews of yours and I found one where you 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 talked about being inspired by Little Women which was not mm-hmm. at all something that I had assumed while watching these movies so. I, explain that that genesis and what kind of character you were trying to make with Lara Jean. You know what? The Little Women aspect was a, a kernel in my mind, like very early on when I first conceived of, of the book. And I knew what the book was going to be about, but I was just thinking about what kind of girl 
Lara Jean was. And then I started thinking, you know, I knew it was a book about sisters, too. So I was thinking about Little Women in that I think so many women look at that story and they go, I'm a Joe or I'm an Amy, <laughs> and they claim the sisters. And then no one ever says, I'm a Beth, because Beth is, like, the boring one. Beth just wants to stay home and play the piano and, like, yeah, be with her mom. Dies. Yeah. And then she dies. And so, She's got a bad arc. Like that, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's, in a way, it's kind of glorious because she's the first one. I mean, it's sad, but glorious. She kind of steps off into the unknown and is very brave. And um, so I thought, you know, what kind of girl is that girl? That's so, um, you know, like internal and, and so much of, of, of herself is, is in her own head. And that kind of like got me off um, thinking about this character. That's not the kind of character that we usually see in romantic comedies. There's there's such a there's a trope that it's got to be um, it has to be a super charismatic woman, and within the first you know ten minutes of the movie, we have to see her spill her coffee on herself. We have to see her trip down the stairs. We have to see this like super competent, well put together person like do something a little bit embarrassing, and then we can feel for her. And you you didn't set Lara Jean up that way. <laughs> like we're we're with her from the very beginning because she you know not because she 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 messes up, but because she's got such a supportive family, because she's got such a good head on her shoulders, because she's so not starry-eyed about boys, even while it is a very, very starry-eyed sort of story that we're telling. <laughs> um, was that conscious? Did you, did you want to portray your, your heroine in a, in, a, in a different way for, for girls or women or anybody else in the audience? I wasn't thinking about, like, pratfalls, but I was thinking um, that we haven't seen as often in media a teenage girl who who wants to stay home and, you know, is baking brownies on a Saturday night. And I think that for a lot of teenage girls, that is our experience. Um, I wasn't really going to parties. I was, like, hanging out with my sister um, baking. And I think typically we don't see it because it's not as interesting. You know, it's not like <laughs> – it's, it's um, narratively, I think, harder to show that in an exciting way. But I think um, – I don't know. I think Lara Jean is, is such a warm-hearted character, and people just connected with that. I mean, you also wrote a really warm-hearted male lead, which I, you know, I think that that it's. I have a hard time. I like. I want to love romantic comedies, but so often as I'm watching something happens and I'm like, well, that's just misogynist. <laughs> like, well, that's just like, what? <laughs> I why mean, do you... that's hard. Yeah, like. <laughs> I think, especially if you watch any older movie, not just rom-com, yes. you know, um, anything before the past, like, five years even, maybe even, like, two years, um, there's a lot of problematic elements to movies because there's a lot of problematic elements to, like, our culture. And, um, you know, it's not always pretty, but I think that you can still enjoy something and then recognize, like, there are flaws within it. Yeah, and I think as you know, as the genre evolves and and is is pushed because you know because of writers like you, um, we can we can actually see what a story like that looks like without without those flaws and find that it's it's actually even more enjoyable to watch when we're not constantly I mean, like having to shelve something because it's un- it's it's problematic. For I hope so, but you know what though, honestly, like a year from now, even maybe right now, there's there's things about even our movie that people might say they find problematic. And I think it's, it's, you can't like get in front of culture. You can just try and like keep evolving yourself and the next thing that you do. And, 
you know, in looking to the future, like in a, in a hopeful way, I think. So I want to ask you a little bit about representation, because this is, you know, when you wrote the books in what, 2014? Am I right about that? Uh, start- yes, I have. Uh, yes, it came out in 2014. I first started writing it in 2010. So, I mean, we've lived like a lifetime since 2010 when it comes to representation on screen Mm -hmm. and in the canon. Like sitting here in 2021, we're just sort of, I I feel like, I feel like I have to like remind the youth that like 2010 was actually a really, really long time ago. Um, We we didn't have the same conversations then. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, the difference between, okay, we have very exciting news on your front. Uh, you you have the um, Summer I Turned Pretty series, which Amazon has just ordered a series adaptation of. So you are going back to the big screen. Um, talk about the difference between trying to get uh, to all the boys I've loved made and, 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 what's, and what's happened in the ensuing 11 years to get your, your next series on Amazon. Oh my gosh. Like it's, there's not even a comparison. It's like a completely different experience. Although I will say I uh, sold those rights before the first movie came out, um, before Twelve the Boys came out. And so I've been wow. working on this like, secretly for quite some time now. Um, but yeah, in a way, you know, it's interesting because with Summer I Turned Pretty, I wrote that first. I started writing that in my like early, like mid twenties. Right. And I, that book, you know, it's, it's very dear to my heart because it really is about girlhood and, and a girl in bloom. And But I will say that, um, for me, timing was really essential to it as well because before I published Summer Turned Pretty, I had tried to publish a book about an Asian-American girl and nobody wanted to buy it. Hmm. And, you know, so my in my mind, I'd always had this... I, cause I thought that Summer Turned Pretty would be a story that would really hit with, with young readers and connect with them because I think... Um, there is is that universality in the story. And I thought, I think that's going to do well in my next thing. I can do whatever I want to. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you are a creator of color, you have to be so strategic in everything that you do um, in ways that other people don't. And it's almost kind of ironic now that um, I think with the success of To All the Boys, I think it's it's really ushered in the way for this next thing. Um, Summer I Turned Pretty, it's kind of flipped. My uh, co-host, Jorge Olivares, is being very quiet, I think probably because he is a boy. Um, so I'm going to call him <laughs> out specifically. <laughs> I know, yay! Hi, Jenny, how are you? Hi! Um, so kind of to this point about being a creator of color, like I can imagine because of everything that you've had to face in terms of the obstacles to get to this particular moment, this really wonderful moment of having this movie premiere and just being able to search for yourself in the work that you've created on Netflix. Can you talk about kind of the emotion you get or even that you got when you saw this first installment of the movie appear on Netflix and kind of the feeling you're going to get with this last one? Because I think that's that's such a, a wonderful, tangible way to see all the hard work you've had a chance to do kind of presented right in front of you. You know, I never even can fathom how emotional it's going to be until then I'm in it. I'm always like, okay, I'm ready. And then I felt like a lot of emotion um, when when we were dropping the news and people were sending me really lovely messages and saying how much um, it's meant to them. And it's, you know, obviously it's meant a lot to me as well. And I think with, with the first film, I think that moment for me really was um, being able to deliver a, a story um, starring an Asian-American teen girl 
um, not only to the young people today who hadn't seen it, but so many people like my age and older reached out to me as well saying how much it meant to them because they never had that experience um, as a teenager. I never had it either. And to me, I think that's what, what has made this whole thing so special. And now as I'm like saying goodbye to it, um, it still feels really special and it feels it's emotional to kind of close this chapter and move on to the next thing. And like, I just hope that it will have, have opened maybe the door a little wider for the next thing. And that we could just see more of these kind of stories, but also like different stories from different kinds of creators. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like when you watch either, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've already had a chance to see this final film before obviously it premieres tomorrow <laughs> on Netflix. But like yeah. when you watch many times. each of these, I know, <laughs> you're like many times in the edit room. But like when you watch <laughs> each of these films, do you see it from the perspective of the creator of this whole series, the book, and kind of with that lens on, or are you watching it as that like nostalgic person who remembers what teenage love was all about, or is it all one and the same? I think I can't even separate those two things. You know, like I always have my creator hat on, and you know, I am like probably the most like critical person of myself and like everybody else. <laughs> I'm a Virgo, I guess. So um, even though I don't believe same. in Virgo. I'm sorry. It happens. <laughs> um, so I, I can't separate them, but I can still like appreciate, um, you know, I can still appreciate it just as a storyteller looking at the story. Mm-hmm. I think something that's so unique about this particular moment, like about the, the young kids that are going to be able to watch this film tomorrow is like they've spent the past year not at high school, unable to kind of develop the teen love that, that they see on the film. And I'm just yeah. so curious about like how how they'll be able to take this oh. in and remember what it was like just last year or two years ago. Like the 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 opportunity for love and how love can blossom at such a young age. It's such a weird You know what? It breaks my heart. I mean Yeah. It's not even just like love, but I think there's so many seminal moments um to finishing up high school and you you know, like especially for kids in the suburbs, like prom is like a really big thing. It's like you're one night that you get so dressed up and like it's all eyes on you. And um, I, I looked forward to that so much when I was in high school and I feel sad for um, a lot of people that that can't happen. I think, you know, it is a bummer, but you know, there's so much ahead of them and there's so much like still to go. I think I, I also feel sad when I think about, you know, elderly people who wanted to travel or go on, one last trip and like you know it's just so many people have, lo- have lost so much during this time and it really is sad and I, I hope that you can find like comfort um wherever you can find it if, an, if it's just a movie for an hour and a half that makes you forget for a moment I mean honestly that's where I think most of us have found most of the comfort like it's it's in it's in yeah. internet videos of animals being happy and it's in movies yeah <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's what we've got. And I, I love that, you know, so often when we're talking about representation or when we're talking about a first, the, the, the content is about the struggle. And that is good and important and needs to be told. But your film centers joy. Like, it is, it is an Asian-American girl. It is an Asian-American story. But it is not about the Asian-American struggle for identity. It is about love. It's about... so. So I guess in the last couple of minutes that we have, talk a little bit about centering joy in your work and maybe we can all figure out how to center in our lives a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, so often when we see stories um, about people of color, it's really about pain and, and struggle yeah. and triumph over that pain. But, you know, I think that 
it's been people have have had this belief that um, the wider audience is only interested in that facet of the experience, where you know that's one piece of it, but there's so much more to it. And I could say for myself that you know being Asian American is not the most interesting thing about me. You know, it's just, it's a piece of me. It's a part of my identity. But I think um, we have so much to offer and share with the world. And to me, centering joy is really about like centering people's humanity and to say that we're all different, but we're also so alike as well. And, and to find that, that commonality. Yeah. I, I, this feels like a, sort of like the quintessential like family movie. Like I could see, I can see like the kids, the kids who aren't able to like go on the dates and watch this, like they would want to, like, this is the kind of thing where you could watch it with like parents are going to like it. And like, kids are going to be able to talk like there's this is going to spark conversations and this is going to this is going to spark like good healthy conversations with the people that you're watching it with and there's really no part of the audience that it isn't appropriate for so it seems like like a really happy thing to have this weekend in your home is there anybody in particular that you hope or any message that you hope in particular gets taken away from this i think overall for me the story really began with me thinking about the way that families change and how that can be really hard. And it's something that never stops um, happening in your life. Your family is going to continue to change. And even as you lose a parent or, you know, um, people break up, there's new life. There's also so much like beauty in in that. And I think the message would be that it's okay that it happens. um, And to be able to see that there, there, there are great things that can come out of change. I loved that you wrote a sympathetic stepmother character. It's one of one of my like one of my biggest pet peeves is like the like why why did we just decide everybody from the dawn of time that all stepmother characters had to be evil and that was the only oh. way that they could be when there are so many wonderful women who you know who who are doing their best and I was it, it was it was really it was it was nice to see that represented and I'm sure oh, there are a lot of you. a lot of stepmoms out there who who are going to be happy to see that on screen. Are you a stepmom? I'm not, but I have a few really close in my life. So this is something that like I have I have heard a lot of. Um, yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks when like every fairy tale story that you can read your stepkids involves you being a monster. Like it's you, it's it's not easy. So I just wanted to you know on on their behalf, oh, thank you thank you for doing that's that. So nice. I've never heard that before. That is so nice. I really oh, it's, appreciate. It. I think I, it's real. You'll hear it again. I'm sure. Too. I know a lot of people too who are who are stepmoms or um who are important like maternal figures without being um their actual mom. And it is it is nice to be able to celebrate them. Yeah, I mean families are families are all kinds of shapes and sizes, and you know they yeah. they don't they don't necessarily look like like the one version. And you know, rom coms shouldn't necessarily look like the one version either. And I love that you've made something that um you know it's going to be in the canon forever, and it's changed the canon. So you know, thank you for for doing that, and also for hanging out with us this morning. Do you have big plans thank to watch you. tomorrow? You're going to be on Twitter with Noah Centineo and. Um- <laughs> Yeah, and Lana, I'll be on Twitter. That's what I'll be doing. That's very exciting. That's the most exciting that we get right now. <laughs> so, to all the boys, always and forever, we'll premiere on Netflix tomorrow. Jenny Han, thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. It was really a delight talking you. to you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. 